Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. But before we get started, I got to tell you a story. Uh, crazy. Happened. Few fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, pace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Let me tell you how, how I had to exhibit self-control this week. I was in Walmart, and uh, yeah, obviously that's how all stories start, right? I'm in the Walmarts, and this dude bumped into me. A fairly small guy bumped into me. And normally when guys, you know, just bump into me or just accidental or whatever, and I know I'm a big guy, you know, not the biggest, but sort of big, you know, especially for this area, you know, I just want to neutralize whatever threat he bumped into me. I'm like, hey, excuse me, you know. And then he starts getting all mad. And tell you the truth, he was disrespectful. And I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, you are way too small <laughs> to be talking stuff. Like, ooh, don't let the old Richard come out. Don't let Richard come out, right? And he is, and he has this basket full of stuff. And he was like, what do you want to do, bro? And he throws his basket, and all of this milk just gets on my shoes. And I'm like, how dare he? Oh, him! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which reminds me, uh, you know why cows have hooves and not feet? Because they lack toes. I am on fire. Why am I telling you all of these corny jokes? I am happy because Mizzou won the Hogs loss, and I stayed all the way up to like 2 a.m. watching Colorado play Croats Prime, and I am just doped up on coffee and energy drinks right now, and I'm kind of happy. Everybody, if you, if you don't know me, what's cracking? My name is Richard. I have the privilege of calling this place my home as your senior pastor. Peep this out. Um, God is obviously the star of the show. I'm, this is not a, 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 a church where we highlight any pastors or any, anybody. It's, it's all about Christ. I have to give a shout out to the team. Um, as you all know, for the last couple of Wednesdays, we kicked the adults out of this building to go be in small groups, go be in the community, go serve the community. For one, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to small groups, to life groups. But one particular life group decided to get their butts in the community and serve food. Uh, Marie and Bub's life group and, and, and Mad and Amber's, y'all, they all linked up, got together, and they served the community at Shilom Spring, not Shilom Spring, Shilom, what is that apartment called? They served food at the apartment complex, just, just, they're, they're convinced that they need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, and they were out in the community serving food, loving on people, building relationships. It was awesome. We're going to keep that going. So shout out to them. And on Wednesday nights, kick the adults out of the building, and I looked in, in almost in every single room. Every, almost every single room, you saw God moving. I saw one life group of just the fellas in one room, you know, over here, and then the ladies over here, and I'm seeing life groups in here, and I go in the back, and I'm seeing the kids moving and scooting, I'm seeing worship going, I'm seeing people being poured into. Lord have mercy, I have to give a shout out to your youth pastor. Good night, Jeremy. The Holy Spirit just moved Jeremy, I saw it with my own eyes, and, 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 and I'm seeing these youth punks 
right? You know, just coming up, and they're just bawling. And I'm like, what? And one kid in particular, he's just bawling. And I'm like, man, what's the matter? He goes, I just realized that I'm going to see Jesus. And he's just bawling, and I'm like, me too. <laughs> you know, it was just so beautiful, y'all. And, and just know, just know ministry is happening through your hands and feet. So let's pray that God will just continue to use us to be light in darkness. I love this church. I love y'all. Let's get on the same page that much more and be light in the darkness. Can I get one, Rex? Appreciate you. If you have your Bibles, y'all turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be finishing the first book uh, of the first chapter of Corinthians with my life verse. Um, which is found in 1 Corinthians, and found in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. After that, um, hey, uh, where's that microphone, um, Jeremy? Uh, because Jamie's going to pray with us. Can you, can, you help me, can you help me out with that? Thank you so much. After that, Jamie is going to pray. Where did Jamie? Oh, there she is. She's right there. Okay. Yeah. So this is the scripture. For, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us... Who are being saved, it is the power of God. That is huge right there, everybody. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the rise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Y'all hear this, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That is a mouthful. Verse 30, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, and he concludes this chapter with this, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That is God's word. Jamie, pray for us. Please play with me. Dear God, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come and worship you in your house today. Lord, I pray that you just help us as we go, Lord, through this week. Lord, I pray that you give us the words today, Lord, to encourage us through the week and, Lord, be able to change our community. Lord, I pray that you just speak through Richard directly to our hearts today. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you. Oh, another shout out to uh, Jamie, too. Jamie is one of the reasons why my kids love Jesus and many of y'all's. Incredibly faithful, has dedicated her life into pouring into kids. Uh, she's awesome. Appreciate you, Jamie. Love you like crazy girl. I mean, she ain't all that. All right, so allow me to give y'all context to this passage. The city of Corinth, it was a very large, very popular, very diverse city, and specifically diverse in having both Jews and Greeks. Now, Corinth was known for so many things, but above them all, that was known for three things, y'all. They were known for their wealth, their carnality. When I say carnality, I mean their lewd behavior. They were buck wild. It was nasty, right? So, so they're known for their extreme wealth. They had two harbors. It was a great uh, city. Like, if, if, if you wanted to make money, you would go there. Commerce was booming. And so if you wanted to, anyway, they were known for their wealth, their carnality, and their philosophy. Think about this. Even now, we still study Greek philosophy. Now, hear this, y'all. Unfortunately, the Corinthian church, they'd allowed their pursuit of wealth, their pursuit of lewdness, and their pursuit of philosophy to influence them. And under that influence, with that worldly perspective, they looked at the message of the cross, and they considered it unwise. They considered it foolish. This is the church. They considered the message of the cross unwise and foolish. It didn't make sense to them at all, especially to the Jews and the Greeks. Now, let me dive into that just a little bit more. In verse 22, Paul says, for the Jews demand signs. What does that mean? Now, for thousands of years, the Jews hoped for their prophesied Messiah to free them from their religious persecution, as they should have. Prophet after prophet after prophet kept telling them, yo, I know things are hard right now, but shortly somebody's coming to save us all from this religious persecution. And these prophets said that so these men and women can have hope, and that hope would sustain them. That hope would give them the strength to keep on going. That hope would keep them from breaking in difficult times. Side point here, everybody. It's the hope that Jesus is going to come back and take us back to a completely perfect place that's void of sin, void of darkness. It is that hope that keeps us going. We hope that it gets better. Hope does not put us to shame, it says in God's word. So these men and women, they had hope. But here's the problem with that, with this, with them. These... Jewish folks, these ancient Jews, they didn't interpret scriptures properly, not at all. They wanted their Messiah to fit their own narrative. You see, they wanted a politically powerful Messiah, a worldly important Messiah that had all of the ears of the upper ups, that had the ear of the politicians, that had the ear of the nobles, that had all of the ear and the influence of all of the important people. But a Messiah that was born in a manger, a Messiah from the hood, make no mistake, like, you know, I, 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 Nazareth was the ghetto. Jesus was from the ghetto. I'm kind of excited about that. Now, so he was born in a manger, in the hood, surrounded by common folk, like a Messiah that was accused by the upper ups of being the drunkard and the glutton because he's hanging out with all of the sinners? A Messiah that's hanging around with prostitutes? A, a Messiah that had 
the disciples that were rejected by other rabbis. And not only that, but a Messiah that lived a life full of service and he died a death of a societal outcast, allowing himself to be humiliated by their enemies, by these Romans officials. Like these Jews is like, what? Foolishness to believe in that. Foolishness. That's just, the, that's just that's the Jews. Now let's go to the Greeks. Paul also said in verse 22, the Greeks seek wisdom. What does that mean? The Greeks sought out these great philosophers that looked at everything from a logical standpoint, from a logical point of view. And these Greeks, they looked at the cross. They looked at Jesus. They looked at the message of the gospel, and they thought, how can one gain eternal life through faith? Faith, substance of things hoped for and evidence of things unseen. Let's break that down. Evidence, but it's hoped for, meaning that it's not there. It's hoped for. I hope it comes. It's going to come eventually, like an anticipation that something is going to break. Evidence and hope, uh, substance of things unseen. So I'm not seeing it and I'm hoping for it, but that's evidence. It makes no sense. They're like, how can faith and a man, and a man that died, and, especially, and, and that man, a physically poor man, like it makes no sense. They thought that there was no wisdom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They thought there was no wisdom in following Jesus himself. They didn't think it was logical at all, not in the least. Now think about this. I'm not talking about just everybody. I'm specifically talking about the Jewish men and women that followed Jesus. So at first, they heard the message of Jesus Christ and it softened up their heart and they submitted their lives towards Christ and everything was going amazing. And then the enemy was like, yeah, I don't like this light and all of this darkness. Let me go ahead and try to infiltrate the church. And he infiltrated the church with worldly wisdom, and it caused separation. It caused division. They were, their lights were dimming. They were fighting with one another, and, and many things for the gospel were not being accomplished because they looked at life. They looked at the gospel through a human's point of view. You're probably thinking like, yeah, how dare they? Like, how can one do that? Now, before we start demonizing the Jews and the Greeks, let's try to identify ourselves and how in, 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 in these men and women. How do we act like these men and women sometimes? Think about this, everybody. At times, we look at the gospel. Sometimes we look at this earth through earthly points of views. Like the Jews. Now, now, just like the Jews, we're all good when God meets our expectations, but when God doesn't perform like we expect him to, we doubt his power, we doubt his message, we doubt his presence, and sometimes we even doubt his existence. Let me be very transparent and vulnerable with you, right? I'm human just like everybody else. So, Tuesday. Well, let me just back up. Over these last few weeks, I felt like Everything's just been so demanding of a pastor. Now, don't get me wrong. That's what I'm called to do. I am called to meet the needs of my community. I'm supposed to be so filled up with the gospel, so filled up with my intimacy with him. My cup 
ought to be runneth over. So when I serve you all, serve the community, right? You know, I need you to do it out of the abundance of what God has given me. It feels like uh, just over the last several months that my cup has just been smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, not as full, but my, 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 my needing to be out there, to be of service to the people has increased. And so when my cup is not running over and I'm serving a lot more, I'm feeling more and more empty. Something happened on Tuesday night that, nev- that I've never experienced in my entire life. And so I've been in, in, in trouble sleeping, constantly thinking about stuff. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly being like, God, I'm so jacked up in X, Y, Z. I bring this to you. And, and, and talking to people and mean with people as I'm supposed to, by the way, do not hear this and say, oh, my goodness, let me stop calling Richard. You bet not. I'm going to assume something's wrong, and I'm going to come to you anyway. So keep hollering at me. So in the middle of the night, my heart is racing and racing and racing, and it was so tough for me to catch my breath, and, and, and I'm sweating, and then all of a sudden, I just start bawling. In the middle of the night, I am bawling. Heidi is like, what is the matter? And she's cradling me like I'm a child, right? And I'm just, it, it was a panic attack. And, 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 and I'm bawling, and I'm like, God, do something. Do something. I'm, I'm empty. You have to do something right now. Remove this. If you're not going to do anything, remove this pain. Remove this feeling from me right this moment. And you know what happened? Not that whatsoever. I cried harder. And then something crept up a little bit more, and it was anger. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm serving all of these folks. I'm diving in your word. I'm reading this scripture. I'm doing all of this stuff, and you have the audacity not to show up for me right here. How dare you? And I went to sleep angry and hurt and confused and upset. And then I woke up a couple of hours later being like, oh, I have a staff meeting. Let me try to pour some more. And then I saw an issue, and I call, and then I'm, I'm, I'm emptying myself of somebody else. And I'm like, yeah, and, and, and the whole time I'm like, God, how come you didn't show up like I wanted you to? How come I didn't show, show up like I wanted to you? Anyway, but... I was angry at God because he didn't show up like how I wanted him to show up. Now, light at the end of the tunnel, fast forward, it makes sense why God allowed me to experience that because through my suffering, my intimacy with him, I I haven't experienced this much intimacy with God, uh, just uh, especially in the last several months. I'm like, okay, if I have to go through that to get here, give me a double, triple, quadruple dose of it. It makes sense now. But at that time, I was angry at God because he didn't meet my expectations like I wanted him to. Why am I telling you all this? Sometimes we get so angry at God because we want him to show up like how we want him to show up. But whenever he doesn't, we reject him. Sometimes we're like the Jews. Insert your own situations in that. Sometimes we're like the Greeks. We're so impressed by the knowledge of man Sometimes we're so impressed with how skillfully somebody speaks that if they lack certain credentials or if they, or if they don't speak eloquently, then we dismiss both the message and the messenger. 
We can be so infatuated with man. We can be so infatuated with man so much that they can completely act and speak ungodly, but we're still so tethered to them. And we're like, yes, that's what they know exactly what they're talking about. And we won't call them out whenever they do things wrong. We're going to see it here in a little bit. Especially Christians, we get so convinced. We're like, yeah, the politician I follow is a godly man or a godly woman. And you're like, they was at a strip club. I don't think that's very godly. But they was preaching the gospel to those young ladies. Yeah, they was laying hands on them. You're not supposed to do that. Did he just say that? Yeah. Everyone, hear me. Hear me. Here's the problem with man's wisdom, with viewing spiritual matters through human points of view. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Viewing spiritual matters through earthly human point of view, it doesn't make sense at all. Think of Galatians 2.20. We herald that verse a lot. As, as, as saints, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer that I live, but Christ who lives within me. That sounds foolish. How can death bring about life? I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus died a brutal death. It is no longer that I live, but he lives within me. He died. How can he live in me? It makes no sense from a worldly point of view. Matthew 19, 30, when Jesus said that the first would be last and the last would be first, whenever I look at the story of the tortoise and the hare, I'm like, that's a dumb story. If you put me a tortoise and a hare and you get a race 100 out of 100 times, the rabbit is going to beat the brakes off the turtle. It makes no sense. Even Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last, Right? You know, like it, you know, how can the people that suffer, the people that struggle, the people that serve, the people that get walked on all of the time, how are they the greatest? Makes no sense. Look at the Beatitudes. Those who mourn, those who are persecuted, those who are poor in spirit. Jesus says that those people are blessed. I don't know about y'all, but mourning and being persecuted and being poor in spirit, that doesn't sound like a blessing. It sounds like quite the opposite. It sounds like a curse. Giving in abundance to receive in abundance. No, you receive in abundance to receive in abundance. That's what makes sense. Loving others that hate you, forgiving others that harm you, it seems like hogwash. It seems like opposite. It seems like complete foolishness. But hear me. That's the point, church. It's supposed to. Living a life that honors God is supposed to be so radically different from this world that it looks foolish. Supposed to. I found myself watching a clip from E.T., right? <laughs> and one of the greatest movies ever. I said it. And you look at E.T., and you got this bug-eyed, big old crooked-finger-looking alien that speaks all weird or whatever. And the reason why this movie was just so captivating, because you have something so foreign and ugly, and he's trying to assimilate to human culture. But what, he, but, but, what, 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 but what did E.T. do? 
right? His kindness and his influence infiltrated their culture. And then he left to go back where he belonged. And they were left impacted by what E.T. did. Everybody, you are extraterrestrials. You look alien. You look foreign to this world. And you are coming to bring your influence from where you are from here. And you are supposed to change their mindset and their culture and their everything before you go back home. You're E.T., everybody. You're E.T. You're supposed to look foreign. Why get comfortable in a culture that we do not belong in? Why get comfortable in the world and we don't belong here? Why claim that we're citizens of a place that we're not citizens from? You are all, if you believe in Jesus, you're citizens of the new Jerusalem. Period. You are not a Republican. You are not a Democrat. You are a follower of Christ that supersedes any political affiliation. I am not an African-American Christian. I am a Christian who happens to be African-American, which means it's an adjective, hear me, it's an adjective that modifies a noun. My being a Christian should modify everything that I am. I am a Republican who I'm a Christian. So you're saying, like, like all right, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat that is a Christian. So your Republicanness, your democraticness or whatever it is, that modifies your being a saint? No, 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 no. That's backwards. That's being an idol. If you can't say amen to say ouch, you're a saint. You don't belong here. So look for it. That's why Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The word folly comes from the Greek word moros. That's where we get the word moronic. Living a life that honors God, the word of the cross, y'all, is moronic to this world. They don't get it. They think it's foolish. But y'all hear me when I say this. Because they don't get it, people will, will reject the message you are commissioned to bring. And that, and since they reject you, all right, they, reject, they will reject your message. They will reject you. They will reject your God. And hear this, y'all, rejection hurts. It does. Rejection gives, you, gives the illusion of loneliness. Think about this. When you're rejected from the world, you convince yourself. It's really easy to convince yourself that you're all in it by yourself. We come in here Sunday, you see all of these people. They love Jesus. There are locked, you know, like, like, like they're, they're locked arms. You know, we're, 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 we're walking in step with one another. Radically love, serve, and encourage one another. But the moment you start experiencing rejection, we have amnesia, and we're like, we're alone. Again, rejection gives the illusion of loneliness. And I believe loneliness is the worst form of emotional pain. And we fear loneliness. And when we fear loneliness, when we don't want to experience it, everybody, we conform to this world. We conform to this way of life. We conform to their teachers. We conform to their knowledge. We conform to their wis wisdom. And when we do that, everybody, we develop an earthly point of view. Church, do not conform 
to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The world may think that the message of the cross is foolish. The world may think that the message of the cross is moronic. But hear me. But Paul says that the message of the cross is the very power of God. Do you know how much power that is? Do you understand how much power that is? That's super fly TNT. Boom. Strong. All you need in this world is God's word. That's it. Think about the gospel. Just think about the gospel. What other message has revolutionized societies like the gospel of Jesus Christ? What other message has transformed entire communities like the message of Jesus Christ? What other message can redeem broken relationships? What other message can heal marriages? What other message can soften the hardest of hearts? Can break the cycle of addiction? Everybody, what other message can save anybody who comes to faith in God? What other message can save a punk like me and a knucklehead like you? It's the gospel is the reason why I'm here right now. I look at how I'm, where I'm from. I look at what I experienced. Grew up in poverty. And don't get me wrong. I, I've experienced so much godliness in poverty, but I'm talking about a spiritual poverty. The men in my family, I'm looking at generational curses. Men that were, you know, that were addicts. Men that were abandoned their families. Men that didn't handle their responsibilities. I came from line after line after line after line of that. And then it was my turn to receive that inheritance. But I had an encounter with Jesus Christ and he broke all of it. It's the gospel that changed my family. Hold on. And I'm looking at Maggie Bile and Penelope. I'm looking at my kids. Yesterday, I was at a wedding, a wedding that I officiated. And I'm like, hey, listen, this is a good thing because of the gospel. Man, my marriage is, 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 is beautiful because of the gospel. I'm a family man. You can have this too. And I encouraged them. And they got married. And we celebrated. And then I'm dancing with my wife. And I'm like, ooh, ooh girl, you fine. Hold on, let me, let me dance real quick, right? I'm dancing with my wife. And then I'm like, Girl, I'll get to you later. And then they played the Cupid Shuffle when I'm dancing with Maggie, Violet, and Penelope. And I'm just, you know, I'm just getting it with these girls, right? And we're having such a good time. And I'm just thinking late at night. I'm like, I danced with my wife. I danced with my kids. Like, you know what happened? You know what happened? It's the gospel. It's the gospel where I get to experience that, man. Nothing else. It's not because of my intellect. Some of y'all, I'm looking at y'all right now. It's the gospel that brought reconciliation to that marriage, man. It's the gospel. Y'all, it's all we need is the gospel. Everybody, that's all we need. It's all we need. And it's foolishness to the world, but you know what? It's okay. Because earthly wisdom didn't get me to experience that. Here's my point, everybody. Living a life that honors God seems foolish to the world. Go live that life. 
moving forward, verse 26 says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Everybody, Paul didn't mean that as an insult. Not at all. In fact, Paul was trying to get them to look at everything that they had accomplished. Y'all, the church in Corinth was booming, doing beautiful things. Matter of fact, the beautiful things that they're doing, I see our church doing right now. The naked were being clothed. The hungry were being fed. They were providing shelter for the homeless. The church was looking, looking out for the widows and the orphans. Y'all, the church was learning about God, and so many people were being saved and baptized. Y'all, the church in Corinth was doing amazing things. Paul was like, look at everything you've accomplished. And none of you had the earthly wisdom, nor had the earthly resources to accomplish something so grand, so monumental. So how did you do it, church? It had to be spiritual wisdom. It had to be heavenly resources. So stop trying to be so wise according to the world. Stop trying to be so strong according to this world. world. And then Paul drops my all-time favorite verse, my life verse. He says in verse 27, but God chose the, what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly uh, things, of the, 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 what is low and despised in this world, even things that are not to bring nothing, the things that there are. Paul was saying that you may look foolish, you may look weak, but you're chosen. You're chosen. God's first round draft pick. You're it. Everybody, listen to me. For everybody that considers themselves too foolish to play a significant role in the kingdom of heaven, for everybody that considers themselves too weak to play a significant role in heaven, to those who may think you're too foolish and weak because of addiction, because of imprisonment, because of poverty, because of a failed relationship, because of whatever, you're wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. I'm looking at an awesome family over here in the back, and I remember the, one of the pillars that helped build New Beginnings Fellowship, Grandma Martha. And I remember having a conversation with Grandma Martha over in the, um, in the kids' area, and we were having Bible study over there. And Grandma Martha was just having a tough day that day. And, 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 and we're having Bible study, and we're just talking about how significant we are. And Grandma Martha just started bawling, and she was like, I'm just this old woman. I have no significance in, 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 in life right now. I have no significance. Like, what can I add? And y'all hear this, all the while, Grandma Martha was the reason why I was staying a pastor. She said, I mean, she was constantly giving me encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. She just kept going. She just constantly encouraged me at the time where I was convinced I was a terrible pastor, a terrible leader, a terrible whatever. It was Grandma Martha's words that penetrated the hardness of my heart and kept me going. The reason why I am here right now is because of people like Grandma Martha. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, woman... I am here because of you. You think you're foolish? You think you're weak? You think you have no insignificance? You couldn't be more wrong. Everybody, if you may think that you're foolish and you're weak, that you have no significance, Bible says that you're chosen. 
chosen to do what? To be the light of the world. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Everybody, listen, you are a spiritual being here on earth to bring God's spirit to this earth. God is using you as the vehicles to do that. You think that you're nothing? You're the vehicle that God uses to save the world. You have the power of Christ. You have the influence of him, everybody. Don't believe in the enemy's lies. You're beautiful. You're chosen, everybody. You're chosen. So church, here's my final point. No matter how foolish or weak you are to this world, you are chosen by God to help save it. I end with this. You look at the calling of Moses. God's people were held captive by the Egyptians. 400 plus years of captivity treating them wrong. These are God's people and they were suffering and they were struggling and they constantly called out for a savior. Like, yo, God, help us out. And God looked at Moses and God called him and and God was like, yo, Moses, you're going to be the guy that that saves the people from religious persecution. And then first reaction, Moses said that I am nobody. And then God says, but I am somebody. I am the great I am. I am with you. Then Moses like, well, but what am I going to say? And then God goes, I will give you my words. Then Moses was like, but what if they don't believe in me? What if they don't believe in me? God said, I will give you a sign. You see the pattern here? And then Moses was like, well, just send me Aaron. Just, I need Aaron, somebody else. And then God was angry by that. Think about the correlation, everybody. Uh, but Moses said, I am nobody. God said, but I am somebody. Moses said, but what will I say? God said, I will give you the words. Moses said, but what if they don't believe in me? God said, I will give you a son. What was God trying to get Moses to do? Stop thinking about your deficiencies and focus on my power. I will give you everything that you need to accomplish whatever task I give you. Everybody, your insecurity may be so strong because you're so focused about yourself. It's not about yourself. It's about him. And the more we focus on him, we realize that he is with us and then we will walk in that power. We will walk in that strength. We will walk in that security. And then, then we will infiltrate the entire world. We will save people from religious persecution. That's how special you are. If you don't know Jesus in here, don't know him he's readily available to you right now right now I'm not worthy of salvation he died for you he had nothing to do with it matter of fact you don't even have the influence you don't have the power to be like well I don't deserve it it's not it's not on your terms he is saying he'll tell you what you deserve or not for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That if you believe in him, you won't spend an eternity apart from him.
but you will have that relationship with him forever. Right now, you can experience an eternity with Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't believe that you have to say certain words in order to have a relationship with Jesus. It's all about your heart. But what I'm going to do is just to lead you in the prayer. If you're like, I don't know what to say, well, this is just a guide. It's all about your heart, everybody. But if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you say these words, and I pray your heart will echo these words. As a matter of fact, we're going to say it all together. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Please forgive me of my sins. And please accept me into your kingdom. I follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those who don't know Jesus and you prayed their prayer and you meant it in your heart, congratulations. You are saved, you are chosen, and it is time to be light in the darkness. For the people that already know Jesus, you hear me? Remember, you're chosen, you're chosen. And so let's go ahead and shame the wise and let's shame the strong. Let's go kick them for kingdom. Can I get amen? Amen. And let's worship one more time. Y'all take care. God bless. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week. And remember, we are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.